Welcome to the Think Education podcast. As usual, it's Judith Lammy and myself, Chris Hill, having a conversation about all things education or no things education, depending on, on how you interpret what we say. Uh, today, we're, we're going to try and tackle the issue of pathways uh, and, and I suppose how that's linked to both the way in which higher education has been impacted as a result of COVID uh, and also as best we can to try and uh, think about the perspective of the student in terms of the mobility and, and those sort of areas of interest, you know, constraints um, and all these sort of things. Obviously, you, you and I have been, like many other people, restricted in movement um, fairly significantly, um, conducting and exploring, you know, recruitment pathways and, and mobility and partnership through through the online space. So it seemed like a, an opportune moment to, I was going to say make sense of this, that seems unlikely given our past track record, but um, <laughs> at least discuss this. Uh, so w- w- given that you obviously, your, your position is um, within your institution is much more relevant than mine uh, in my own to this topic of conversation. Um, what's your sort of current thinking on on where we are in terms of student pathways and mobility? I think it's a really interesting topic to be discussing today and, and I'm sure one that will send us off in lots of different directions and lots of different pathways. Um, in, Nicely, indeed, done. As we wander, Nicely done. As we wander through through the education forest that we are about to wander through. Um, And I suppose I'm reflecting on this myself and also doing a bit of writing recently on sustainability and internationalisation. You know, one thing that has struck me, you know, what we're trying to do, certainly at Swansea University within our student experience strategy and our learning and teaching strategy, try to you know, um, give students as much opportunity as we can through a variety of different types of activity from physical activity and where students might be able to go to virtual activity to what we might be doing with the curriculum and curriculum changes. You know, so all of these kind of developments where you've got a strong overlap and support between an internationalisation strategy and a learning and teaching strategy and student experience strategy, for example. So that's something that, you know, we've been very mindful of, um, you know, ever since we, we developed both of the both of the strategies and, and how they've been, they have shaped and changed, certainly as a result of, of COVID. Um, but one of the things that it, it did strike me regarding it is, is particularly when you then start to look at this through the sustainability lens, and the issues with regard to climate change. You know, we've been spending, or certainly I've been spending, probably the best part of the last 20 years trying to persuade students, particularly, you know, UK students, based in the UK, from the UK... To go somewhere else. Go somewhere. Yeah. Not just down the road. Yeah. So go somewhere, have an experience, learn something, get yourself out of your comfort zone. And so I've been spending all of this time trying to do this and, you know, with the institutions I've worked in have, you know, very strong sort of student study abroad programmes or there might be study abroad, it might be volunteering, it might be work placements, it might be small opportunities. But, you know, trying to say, right, 
banging the drum, get out there, have these experiences, and you know, spending the last 20 or 30 years trying to do this. And that now we're almost all saying, however, <laughs> look at what we're doing to the planet, serious issues of climate change and sustainability, so please, can you really think before you do anything? Yeah. And, it, and it's almost like there's a, there's a really interesting, I think, bashing up between those two, you know, a clash between what, what we want people to, to be able to experience or have the opportunity to experience anyway, and maybe where we ourselves have had those experiences and, and how valuable they've been and, and how we've learned from them. With at the same time putting together the fact that if we actually were in a battle to save the planet, um, and one of the only positives, or one of the one of the positives, let's say, to come out of the global health crisis and the pandemic, and the fact that people weren't going very many places, was that it, it gave the planet a rest yeah. from us flying around the globe all of the time. That that's got to, you know, protected it in in some way, and so that that impact on how we might perceive it, how our, how our future or prospective students might see this, you know, pathways into international recruitment, international experience, what they might do in terms of their whole study period. So you, you might be sitting somewhere, you know, in the country is sitting and thinking, now, do I really want to go and study somewhere overseas? Is that, is that, do I really need to do that? Is it something, is there something that I can do here or is there some more, more of a hybrid model, um, and, and I guess where I've where I've where I've come to at this particular junction um, is is down is down that hybrid route really of a of a notion that it is you learn so much when you go somewhere else mm. that you simply cannot experience at a desk in in your your own. Yeah. study in your own classroom in your own house in your own flat wherever you are you know there's so much more you can experience if you're somewhere else um, but you know we do need to be really conscious of what's happening with the planet and you know what we want to be doing in terms of the sustainable development goals what we need in terms of sustainability the issues of climate change and somehow that's going to have to write itself yeah. you know so i do think probably that there's we're still going to be looking at what we can do in terms of providing those experiences but probably now adding to the mix of those experiences mm. what can you do virtually yeah. that will add to it you know what can you do you know in terms of short term rather than you know the the experiences that we might really have been pushing a lot in the past yeah, I, I mean, I was involved in uh, many years ago now a piece of research looking at um, the sort of desirability or employability of, of graduates and the number one preference, um, this was conducted in Southeast Asia, but the number one preference for employers was a student who'd studied abroad, you know, somebody who'd had that international experience because it, it led to, you know, skill development and communication and, you know, and teamwork, etc. And And the next one down was, you know, a student who'd attended an international university or branch campus, you know, and then it would be somebody who'd maybe had a, a study abroad visit or, you know, and then at the bottom was those that had been domestic to a public university. And you can understand that from a certain perspective, 
you know, and yes, it's problematic from another perspective because it, it does create that uh, that divide between the branch campus model or the foreign model and, and the domestic. Um, I mean, I, I agree with you and as I, <laughs> I tend to make a policy to do, but the the opportunities that we've been afforded as a result of lockdown, you know, have been like you. I mean, I, you know, we've often talked about this, about how much busier we've been or how many more events we've attended online. Um, you know, a little thing about my university, it, it's so much easier to arrange vivas for PhDs because we're asking an external examiner to put aside, not accounting the, obviously the review and the, the, the revision of the material, but, you know, a, a three or four hour block perhaps to conduct a viva online. We're not asking them to fly, you know, potentially around the world for four or five days. And, you know, so there are certain things that are easier logistically perhaps you know maybe it, it doesn't replace the experience but they're easier logistically and there are certain things where the online model is, is perfectly fine like we we don't we don't need you know i would much rather obviously yeah. be with you in person but we've been doing this now for two years like this these types of things they're you know i wonder though you know there, there are obviously many new sort of emerging pathways we, we've seen you know, universities setting up sort of study away or study abroad programs where they partner with a, you know, a, a local university. So the students are attending, you know, down the road from where they live, but they're attending sort of, you know, teaching from another country or another hemisphere. And so sort of that, those sort of, you know, fairly, obviously you have to do due diligence, but it's fairly risk averse or very, very low, fairly low risk. It's low cost, um, you know, it's access, it's engagement, etc. You know, there's a, there's a lot of positives. And I do wonder, though, as, you know, as reflecting as you were thinking, that whether the international mobility will sort of again return to being the purview of the elite, you know, where it's a case of, no, 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 you, we don't need to travel and we shouldn't be traveling because, yeah. you know, of the planet, which, you know, it, there shouldn't really be another yeah. sentence to that. That should be the end of that conversation. Um but, you know, if you really need to or if you're really important enough or you're at a really good enough school, then you can. And so, you know, it, whether we, we run the risk of while providing this massive opportunity, you know, to, to democratize access to international something, however we define that, the really rich or the really elite or, you know, there'll still be a subgroup of people will, that will benefit from the internationalization in terms of the physical mobility that... As you said, and, and I mean, I completely agree with, there is no substitute for that. Not, not really. We can provide pathways and access, and we should. We absolutely should because it, it's, it's more carbon neutral. It damage, you know, there's less damage. It's less costly. It's, you know, you can, it, we should be doing this. But I do, I do wonder um, if it's going to be, if that's the, perhaps the direction we're, we're going. I, I, don't, I don't know. Um, yeah, and maybe therefore then, you know, in uh, in the UK, certainly, you know, we've, we've got our, our access and participation plans that we need to have for universities, you know, how we're ensuring that we're, you know, widening participation, enabling access for students, you know, as um, from all walks of life, all experiences. Um, and maybe then there needs to be a clearer alignment between those strategies and plans with international ones as well as with learning and teaching ones now so that we can be really clear that what we're doing, you know, because if for all of the other reasons we've mentioned, 
if it is important and useful for students to have an international experience, then that still stands, doesn't it? Absolutely. It still stands now, yeah. as opposed to, it, it, you know, 10 years ago or even five years ago. If employers valued the experience then, they still value mm. it now, you know. And I suppose what did just occur to me, though, when you were speaking then, when you mentioned about staff and you mentioned also about other sorts of activities that, you know, we, we just didn't, we, we didn't think of having them virtually before, whereas now we've got the technology, albeit you have to work out whether you Zoom in or Teams or Meets or whatever. But it does work and we do get there. Whether there are some things, therefore, then, that we are going to say, you know what, we, we used to say we absolutely had to do this face-to-face. Well, you know what, we don't. You don't have to do Vibers face-to-face. You don't have to do um, exam boards and board meetings face-to-face. You can just as easily do that from all different parts of the globe, you know, online, via Zoom, via, via Teams or whatever. And maybe those are therefore the kind of things where we're saying, right, we're going to carry on doing it like that. Because although it might be nice Mm -hmm. and pleasant and there might be some positive, other positive experiences for staff members to be going to these different places, it's not absolutely essential. It might be essential for aspects of some of their research. That's that's a different question and maybe a different conversation and maybe links into, you know, PhD students. But actually, therefore, then, so for some administrative activities, actually, we can do those online. We don't have to go anywhere. Mm -hmm. For some staff activities, actually, we can do those online. Mm -hmm. We don't have to go anywhere. And therefore, then, for the student pathways and activities, we can start to protect those more. And, And, you know, we are going to be going to some places it's not that we're absolutely not going to be so maybe to give ourselves a a limit in terms of what we might be doing but saying that you know not not 100 saying that the others can't take place because there might be some valid reasons as to why they could and should and there needs to be that debate across our respective institutions but that we try and protect what's happening for our students to give them that that you know that opportunity because as you say Otherwise, there will be students that, that can do that also out with the study times themselves because they have the resource to enable themselves to do it. Yeah, no, abs- absolutely. Um, yeah, I think, I mean, th- that would be a <clears throat> certainly a responsible approach. So um, <laughs> maybe a little unlikely. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's what, what I'm hoping... And I've seen some evidence for this, and I've I've seen some evidence against this. That in in many ways, the I'm maybe a little bit worried that we haven't learned as much as we should have done from the pandemic. That we yeah. we in many cases we we were in full crisis mode, and and certainly for the first however many months, we weren't looking to we weren't dissecting what we were doing because what we were doing was surviving. So our teaching wasn't perfect, but it was happening. And, you know, there were there were issues with connectivity and engagement, but it was happening like we we were surviving as best we could. And then we moved into the second and the third and the fourth iteration of this. And you start to think, well, if we were able to 
recognizing the credit online learning as a relevant educational source, which, you know, prior to the pandemic for many countries had been anathema, right? So if we're able to do that, how can we go back on that? Right? How, because by going back on it, we're effectively saying nothing that happened in the pandemic is real. So anybody that graduated during the pandemic, what are we saying about the quality of, of their qualification, let alone their experience? Um, and, you know, I completely understand the, um, that human drive to say, well, no, I've been locked down. I want to go. I want to move. Um, there's a, a line from D.H. Lawrence that um, a colleague of mine, well, he introduced me to D.H. Lawrence's writing, but um, a colleague of mine um, introduced me to, which was, you know, comes over one an absolute desire to move. And I get that, right? We've been stuck. We want to go. We want to return to normal. We want to, you know, banish the pandemic. But we've entered a, we entered a new normal and some of the things we did were better than the things we did before. I mean, some of the things were much, much worse. So let's not do those, but let's not let go of the stuff that we, you know, we may be improved on. And, and yeah, I, I just think that there are, there are opportunities where we can, you know, actively reflect on this and say, you know, if, if I teach a module, do all my classes need to be physical? Are there some where actually the students might benefit from not having to travel to campus that day. Um, I mean, you look at fuel costs at the moment. I mean, it's, it's a, you know, a strain on everybody. So are there ways in which we could say, it's not just not flying to another country, it's, okay, maybe one week out of every three, we'll do an online class. You know, something like that, right? You know, obviously driven by responsible conversation and pedagogical underpinning. You know, it can't just be, I don't want to. You have to have a justification for it. But I'm, I'm with you. I think this, this hybrid model, you know, what, what have we learned um, and what can we do next? Um, yeah. I, I don't... When you come at, just coming back to that point that you made as well um, about students during the pandemic you know and their qualifications that they will have received and that for many of them they've done at least a couple of years maybe their final two years of their degree yeah. online um and what we are absolutely not saying is that that that's not been incredibly valuable and that they've not had a you know, an experience that means that they are worthy of obtaining that degree. Of course, they are. You know, what we are saying is that, that it's a very different experience. But one thing that just really also did strike me, I remember at that time I was doing some mentoring of students. Uh, and I think I've mentioned this before, and some of them were undergraduates, some of them were postgraduate. And yes, they, they had a very different experience to those that, that, you know, had done previous years who were going into their classes, who were interacting with The sheer resilience yeah. Yeah. that those students demonstrated, and it was, was just astonishing. And in some ways, you know, although you can't and we don't want to be creating that situation mm. yes. um, anymore... You know, those students, I think, that graduated and studied during that period of COVID will have something so much more, so positive to offer employers, won't they, in terms of what they actually managed to do and succeed at doing yeah. in what was an enormously difficult time, when most of the rest of us weren't even coping with 
where are we going to go for our hour's walk today? Yeah. And do we have enough, you know, dried pasta in the garage to keep us going for the next six months, even though we never ate it before? Yeah. You know, and then you've got other people and students who are doing master's degrees in international relations or undergraduate degrees in yeah. aerospace engineering, you know, and maybe they... Maybe if you're in Birmingham, maybe they come from Wolverhampton or as with one of the students I was talking from, you know, she came from Nigeria and she was here in the UK on her own studying yeah. a master's and degree, it, you know, and, that, and she was, it was so impressive mm. to see what these individuals did. And just finally on that, what we used to do, though, every week, because I just felt a bit sorry for her that she was stuck in her room very often of the week, talking to me every week. So it was almost like, you know, it's, uh, yeah, yeah, not great. Anyway, so what, what I used to do? I did that for a whole year. I was in my room talking to you yeah, and we produced yeah, a book. You know, you, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, if, if yeah, somebody has yeah, to be stuck somewhere point. with somebody fair to talk point. to, you're, you're a good person to have, Judith. Yeah, yeah. all right then, all right then, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll take that on board. But... What, we, what I used to say to her was, right, you can't go anywhere. So you stuck where you are. So she used to do these little virtual trips. So I'd say, right, when I speak to you next Tuesday, you're going to have been today. This week, you're going to have been to Scotland. Go to Edinburgh. Work out how to pronounce it, that kind of thing. You know, and so she did. So every week, and it was, a, it was like we were, we were meeting for like 12 weeks or something like that. Every week, she went somewhere else. So she went to Swansea, she went to Edinburgh, she went to Dublin, she went to York. I tried to pick places that either I'd lived or I'd been so that I could also have some. But <laughs> yeah. And it was brilliant. And she did say, she said, although, of course, it would have been great to actually go. The fact also that we almost scheduled in that time. Mm. So I'd say to her, I want you to be <clears throat> looking up, you know, look, spend Saturday in Edinburgh having some fun in Edinburgh or having some fun in Swansea, you know. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, but the sheer resilience that those individuals demonstrated at that time, um, I think, was just astonishing. And it's ironic, although completely unironic, that those very skills, that resilience, the adaptability, the creativity, the engagement, the collaboration, these are precisely the <laughs> skills that employers look for from international travel and yet have been recreated yes. in the complete absence of international travel. Um, so, yeah, I mean, yes, there, there's clearly the interpersonal. I mean, that's, uh, we're not trying to say it, it solved all the problems, but, um, you know, we are able to, to replicate. It's, it's interesting, though, I mean, your point about your, your mentee and, and being away from home, which is, I mean, challenging enough when you have the full freedoms to, to seek out your own community or, or your own interests. Um, but... I mean, something that, you know, from, you know, students that we've, we've had contributing to the books and, and, you know, conversations we've had in the past. I mean, one of the things the pandemic highlighted was I now have a very clear list of countries I do not want to get stuck in in a pandemic. And a list of countries I'm like, actually, no, I, I think that they've handled that pretty well. I'd be I'd be OK. Yeah. I mean, OK, obviously, you know, for a given value of OK. And, and I mean, obviously, for me, OK is if, if my family's with me and then it doesn't really, you know, I don't really care where I am particularly. But. You know, when you think of the, you know, the, the decision processes that students go through for an in international travel, those who, who are capable, many of whom will be the first member of their family 
to study abroad, some of whom may be the first member of the family to travel abroad. Um, you know, they are, they are leaving a, a, a very specific set of circumstances to travel to a very foreign set of circumstances in kind of every sense of the word. Um, there are obviously, depending on where the student's coming from, there are increasing issues of racism and prejudice and freedoms that they, they will be subjected to that they, they are perhaps not at home. Um, you know, there, there are, there are just a multitude of things that are, are challenging. And then you think now I could be in lockdown, you know, now I could be subject to another set of constraints that, that I simply I'm homesick. I, I want to go home. If I can afford to, I can perhaps do that now. You know, I, I think we, we, you know, we're starting to see more regional mobility, you know, where I want to be closer to, I don't necessarily need to be home home, but I want to be close enough to home that I can get home. Like I don't want to be stranded. And, and so possibly the, you know, you know, that, that may, may well have an impact on, on, um, on mobility, I mean, as far as I can understand from the, what I've read and people I've spoken to, the the top destinations, you know, Australia, the UK, I mean, perhaps slightly to a lesser extent, the US at the moment, but they they still rank. I mean, people, you know, there is that reputational factor of if I'm going to go abroad, that's where I'm going to go abroad too. Yeah. Um, but you know, I wonder the extent to which we'll see. You know, actually, no, I want to. I, I don't want that extra risk. You know, and if I can then do a, a course with somebody from that place, then why not look for, as you say, the hybrid model? Yeah, and therefore then maybe, you know, this will mean that various sort of aspects of transnational education that had either plateaued or TNE or partnership development, but that, that either plateaued or seemed to be on the wane might be on the increase again. I mean, I think it's safe to say, uh, you know, probably five years ago with campuses overseas, the full campuses overseas or in a different country to where mm. your main campus is, was starting to be on the wane, wasn't it? There were fewer institutions that were doing that, you know, for a variety of reasons. And, and I wonder whether, you know, those kind of opportunities, that opportunity for partnership, mm -hmm development yeah. where you might be there having you know working more closely with a partner in a different country or even in a third yeah. country and then you know the, the the staffing within that that partner will be doing the teaching but so you don't with maybe it will put pay to, to so much flying faculty yeah yeah that yeah. there won't be so many of those you know that, that actually therefore then it will also result in you know more equal partnerships where yeah. you are actually you know delivering joint curricula together maybe that might be something maybe a pathway that increases more as a result with a view to people across executive tables and other tables in universities saying what happens if yeah what happens if next year this happens again what happens to our students what happens to our staff what happens to our bottom line? Yeah. How do we carry on existing as an institution, whatever that might look like? Yeah. Um, yeah. And so to spread and diversify that risk and have different forms of opportunity might mean that those partnerships and collaborations, 
you know, where you're not doing something solely on your own in other countries as well. Yeah. Is on the increase. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and it, it has impacts on, okay, it's a, it's a big sustainable issue, right? You know, it's more sustainable if you can support local capacity building and you can integrate and you can reduce risk and reduce cost. And yeah, um, I mean, that's a, certainly a, a positive. I mean, and it likely chances, it's not a question of what happens if this happens again, it's what happens when this happens again. I mean, when we're not, it's not like, oh, we're one and done, right? It's, um, you know, these things are, are products of, of many variables. So, I mean, I, I think it's, I think this, I mean, this, this sort of conversation really ties into the first book that we wrote, right? It's, it's this sort of re-understanding of what partnerships mean and, and you know, well, actually, what are you motivated by, right? You know, if it, if it's the sort of elite, you know, uh, consortia that that don't necessarily produce as much as they could, you know, or are you looking about impact? Are you looking about you know legacy? Are you looking about real value? Because if so, there are many more ways in which we can approach this. And and yeah, these examples you're giving of you know whether it's twinning or dual or joint or you know franchise or whatever whatever the model may be. Um, or even some sort of hybrid vision of, you know, technically I'm a fly-in lecturer, but I'm not actually flying in. I'm just zooming in, you know. And yeah. so, you know, on, on any given day at, you know, 10 o'clock, you attend a lecture by a lecturer from wherever she's from, right? But she happens to be still where she's from, just videoing in. Um, and, you know, there, there are... I mean, it comes back down to, again, you know, we, we've been talking about a lot, you know, what's the point of university? What's the purpose? And... You know, that sort of the answer to that question, I think, leads to, well, how do you get people in and where are the people and what do they want? And, you know, that that's, I think, a, a useful conversation for people to be having moving. I mean, I hope to say moving out of the pandemic. Right. I mean, we're, you know, we're at least in some way moving out of it. I wonder whether, you know, just, just and maybe this is the sort of linguist in me, it would be interesting to see, not that we'll be able to do this ourselves, but, you know, in 50 years' time or in 100 years' time, whether terms such as flying faculty mm. are still used but still exist. You know, it's a little bit like when we say, or we'll say, oh, well, I'm, I'm going to take that or I'm yeah, going to yeah. record that or I'm going to... And actually, if you unpick the term... Yeah, it'd be like well, but we but, but there's no tape. There's no, and it's almost as though, you know, we'll probably will still use the term flying faculty, mm. but it won't mean. It'll it'll mean the same in terms of an individual from a different institution or an you know or your home institution or someone somewhere else delivering something, but actually they're not flying anywhere. No, no, no. so. Uh, so something created to to be more sort of graphic in terms of what it actually meant. Yeah, uh, you know, it won't be. Um, I mean, one of the things we've we've really sort of seen as a as an outcome uh, of the pandemic is is the student appreciation for flexibility. So the the in that sense, seeing the positive in the, in the negative, right? Which yeah. is um, yes, I. I I miss this and I miss that and I, you know, et cetera. But actually, you know, being able to study from home and set my own agenda, maybe not a hundred percent, but you know, for a big chunk of it, I mean, um, that came out a lot in the, some of the, the, the stuff we did with our, our previous student, you know, contributors, you know, this, this, I can control my time. I am a bit more flexible. It makes it easier if you're studying with a family. It makes it easier if you're studying with a, you know, an environment where there's also work commitments. 
um, you know, the, the pathways, we, they need to be more flexible. And I think we need to understand that the flexibility need not be a reduction in quality. And I wonder if that's what, you know, might be behind it. It's like, well, no, traditionally we do this and we do this and this is who we are and we do this and that's what counts. And once you start playing in the world of online learning and digital partnerships, it's like, well, that's not what a real university does. It's like, well, it might not be what a real university did, but there are many real universities doing it right now and doing it very successfully. And so, yeah, it's this sort of letting go of, I don't know what, what it is that we think we were or what it is that we think we should still be perhaps i'm not quite sure how to phrase that i think the tenses are getting mixed up but yeah if new pathways should be dictated by a response to or a drive for flexibility yeah, underpinned what, by quality obviously what do we think what do we think students want what do we think employers need and actually that's where the discussion also needs to take place, doesn't it? Because as you say, we might decide, or yeah. in academic institutions, we might decide that the best sort of delivery is delivery that's face-to-face, look at all the things that are, you know, that, that are there that's supported and the, the, you know, the positive outcomes. I'm not saying there aren't, of course, there are significant ones. But other forms of delivery still can add significantly to... Yeah somebody you know in terms of that what they what they can achieve and what they can learn and what it can build up within themselves and as we talked about previously all of those characteristics that employers look for and want in experiences that students can gain overseas you know from independence and resilience and creativity and ambition are all ones that that can be achieved online as well yeah um, maybe it's just to, it, to, to ensure that as academic institutions, we've been very clear about how we can me- measure that, how we can evidence it, how we can ensure that, that students are focusing on that, as we do with our learning outcomes for, yeah. you know, for, for students now, that we make sure that we can do that across the piece. As you say, actually, one thing we have learned is that students are resilient, Students are ambitious. They they do take risks, and they but they and they do want that flexibility, and that is something that we need to embed in the pathways that we need to be able to provide, don't we? And don't presume yeah. that we know what the students either want or what they need or what the employers need. You know, I think it has to be something that is also done in collaboration and in partnership with them. Yeah. And, and I mean, and back to your point about the, the sort of responsible and measured travel, it doesn't have to be all or nothing. Right? That, that's the, the advantage of pathways. There are many of them, right? There's no, yeah. there's no single route um, to anything, and obviously anymore, and particularly not to education. I mean, people come from many different walks of life at many different points in their life, and wonderful. Um, you know, and... and I. <laughs> Sort of paradoxically, why are we not thinking about this more? If if the drive is for widening recruitment, why are we not widening our pathway options? Right, Ooh. because we know we can't move people around. 
the way we used to. And, and to be fair, we never really moved that many people. If you look at the percentage of, of students and the percentage of people that actually studied abroad, it's, it's very, very low. You know, wh- why are we not, you know, why are we not doing this more? Um, and of course, as you say, absolutely doing it responsibly because, you know, we can reconceptualize what a university should be, but it's always got to be underpinned by quality because otherwise then frankly, there's no point to it anyway. Right. It's, um, it's an empty, empty institution. Yeah. Yeah, we don't know where we don't know where we're going, but there are many different ways to get there, I suppose, right? Yes. Yeah. Which is a, a fitting end to um, another podcast where we've set ourselves a big question and have come to the end of it by setting ourselves lots of other little questions to go along with it. But I suppose no, there's a summary around the need and the the you know the student appreciation of flexibility, but that what we need to do is underpin all of this with with quality, with assurance. But what we're trying to do is provide, you know, a wealth of opportunity for as many people as possible to engage in ways in which they can. Yeah. Um, and where we can support that and for us to be brave enough. Yeah. To, to realise that that might mean that our own identity is changed slightly in the process. Yeah. But that's okay. Yeah. And, and not just okay. I mean, if you, another way of looking at it, it's necessary. If we don't open these pathways, people won't come. And if people don't come, what's a university with no students? Well, depending on who you ask, heaven, right? It's, it's utopia. Yes. So, um, yes. Um, that's maybe the wrong question, but you know, yes, it's absolutely something. These are this is what we should be be thinking about and framing. You know, how do we how do we provide opportunities for people to have the opportunity and access to education um, in the form that best suits them? Um, and I, I agree with you. I, I like I like that point. If if it changes our identity, then so be it. Then that's okay. Yeah, that's, and that's okay. okay. You yeah. know, we're just we're just we're just growing up. Yes. We're just changing and adapting yeah. Yeah. to the to the times. And I suppose one thing that I know that we um, thought that we would do anyway in some uh, some future podcasts are also bring some others into this conversation. You know, so have a discussion with uh, other types of partners, other types of providers, private providers. Um, you know, business providers, you know, it'd be interesting to see some of the new models are starting to emerge. Yeah. Therefore, how we don't we don't have to do everything ourselves as well. That's the yeah. important thing to note, isn't it? Let's work with others in order to provide that wealth of opportunity that we know that we can provide to, you know, prospective students wherever they are and whatever they want to do. Absolutely. And so on that note, I guess, until next time.